This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi there, and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News political director Rick Klein, and our guest today is Ben Bradley Jr., the author of a brand new book, The Forgotten, How the People of One Pennsylvania County Elected Donald Trump and Changed America. Ben, uh, my former colleague at the Boston Globe, congratulations on the book and welcome. Thanks, Rick. Good to see you. So, Ben, I I, want to start with how you chose this county. Uh, Pennsylvania was a critical state for President Trump. He ended up winning the state by 44,000 votes. Uh, And you chose a particular county, Luzerne County. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to focus your reporting on this corner of Pennsylvania. Well, uh, I've been like many, most journalists, I guess, uh, fascinated by the emergence of Trump and uh, this unusual, totally different candidate who not only won the Republican nomination but got elected president. And I was looking for a different way to uh, write about the Trump phenomenon and uh, examine more closely the, the three Rust Belt uh, states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, where the election was decided. And, um, you know, that was only 77,000-odd votes that um, uh, Trump won those states by a total. And if Hillary had won them, uh, she would have been the president. So looking at Pennsylvania seemed to be the most important to me because it had first it had the most electoral votes, 20 and uh, Hillary considered it absolutely her firewall. You know, she'd been um, uh, raised in Scranton, and, and which is just over the county line, and uh, family there. Biden was from there. Um, and uh, looking at that vote, I discovered this county, Luzerne, which is where Wilkes-Barre is. And... Um, this was a traditionally Democratic county that had gone for um, hadn't voted Republican president since '88, Bush Senior, and um, Obama had carried it twice, but it surged in the other direction for Trump, and he won it by 20 points, uh, by 26,000 odd votes, which was 60 percent of the 44,000 uh, vote total mm-hmm. that you mentioned. So the 60% of his victory margin came from this one county. So without this county, he wouldn't have won Pennsylvania or perhaps the presidency to the extent that uh, Michigan and Wisconsin's demographics are similar. So I just went down there um, uh, right after the election, less than a month, I think, and began nosing around with a view to seeing if this could be a prism uh, through which to examine the Trump vote. I, I, my, my, my basic premise was that I think more than half the country remains shocked that Trump got elected president and that there's a hunger to know more about about the Trump voter. So it strikes me that you, you identify 12 different characters that you use to tell these stories. And it's a it's a diverse mix, as you know, a, a veteran, a lawyer, all the way through a nurse uh, and um, even a white a white nationalist, a white right. supremacist in there, a, a congressman as well. It, it struck me one through line was 
you hear from these people, they felt like their voice wasn't heard before. Mm. They felt like there was no politician that was speaking to them. What 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 was what did you feel like unites the stories of why President Trump gave them the voice when he was candidate Trump? Well, I, I think that that's that's an important question. They, these people felt um, ignored, and uh, yeah, there was a, I think the remains of a rural urban divide in this country. You know, you look at the map of the of, of the country county by county, and it's just a sea of red. So I think it's a center right country, and uh, they. Uh, they felt unacknowledged. Uh, they felt uh, underappreciated, uh, isolated by uh, a, a liberal culture that often mocked them. Um, and Trump came along, and they identified with him. They felt uh, that he heard them. And one of my characters said, "You know, you 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 fall in love with your therapist." Um, they felt listened to, mm-hmm. and um, they felt that Hillary made them feel ashamed. Yeah, one 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 quote that struck me from one of your characters was that we felt like elitists were laughing at us, and that yes. hurt me. Yes, that's yeah. that's really striking. Yeah, yeah, that was Lynette Bellano, and um, her story uh, was was particularly interesting because. Uh, she had a falling out in her family. You know, this election split families, and uh, that was one of the, the most interesting things about the election. And uh, she had a, a falling out with her grandson over the election. She went and texted him uh, the next morning after the election saying how happy she was that Trump had won. And the kid came back hard and just said, this is the... Um, the worst thing that uh, I've ever seen, and Trump is, uh, you know, the devil incarnate, and that raw. She she gave me the text exchange, and I thought that that dialogue uh, really uh, perfectly um, summarized the philosophical divide that still exists in this country. Yeah, I, your point about the the number of counties, I think, is an apt one, and I've uh, in studying the map. President Trump didn't win a landslide. In fact, as you know, he lost the popular vote. But he did win a landslide of counties. In the counties. Yeah. He won 2,584 to Hillary's 400-something. And that sea of red that you see. And and I'll say, as, as someone that, that did a fair bit of driving through Pennsylvania, continues you know, I continue to make trips like this, including through the scranton Wilkesbury area, I noticed all those lawn signs. And I saw acre after acre, mile mm. after mile of Trump. Of Trump signs, you almost never saw Hillary sign right. driving through, and I think the same is true outside of almost any metropolitan area in America. Yeah. That, that was what was going on, and a lot of us, I include myself in this list, said, "Well, you know, lawn signs don't vote. Yeah. That's not where people actually live." Yeah, and they also said crowds don't vote. Right. Uh, so I, I think we all learned some lessons uh, here. People, people, um, you you can't deny that Trump. Uh, Drew and still draws big crowds, and they are enthusiastic. And I think a lot of the the press assumed that uh, that wasn't going to translate to votes, but it sure did. And and it and it continues to translate now. And I want to talk about the fact that of this news cycle that we're in right now. About in the context of Brett Kavanaugh, our reporters who've gone to the rallies in the last couple of days have been asking almost everyone in the crowd they can find, "What do you think of Brett Kavanaugh? What do you think of Brett Kavanaugh?" And they cannot find a single person. 
that thinks that Brett Kavanaugh should not be confirmed to the Supreme Court. Uh, they can't find a single person who believes that Christine Blasey Ford is either telling the truth or 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 is giving a compelling enough story. And it, it breaks entirely along the fact that the president is out there saying that Brett Kavanaugh needs to be confirmed. He's made it into this tribal argument. You use the example in the book, the famous example of the president saying he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and his support might go up. What What is your sense on what it took for a, a lot of the voters that you talk to to go from supporting a candidate to then believing everything, literally everything that he says? I, I think one of the, the, the key um, things that we'll, we'll, we'll have to look for going forward is whether um, Trump has really started a, a movement here or whether his support is rooted more in a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it might be the latter. I could be wrong. Um, but people can uh, disagree with him on any manner of issues, and um, they just like him. Mm-hmm. They like how he um, gets up every day and you know starts kicking ass with his tweets and uh, raising hell and um, insulting his enemies and sticking it to the press. They love that. And I think in that sense, uh, culture uh, bests economics. Uh, Even, um, you know, because Trump, even though it's a a good economy, uh, in some ways he hasn't delivered for the working class. You know, he said he was going to uh, curb the deficit in the in the campaign, but, it, but his budget um, adds seven trillion dollars to the deficit. He said he was going to hold the line on Medicare and Medicaid, but there are deep cuts there. And uh, but th- so one one would one could say that those that doesn't translate into uh, the vested interests of his supporters, but uh, it doesn't matter. They just love him. Specific to the characters that, that you focused on, and you followed up with a number of them more recently, and yeah. checking in. Two questions: Do any of them questioning their support for President Trump, and has the Trump presidency been good for them in a in a broader sense, other than just winning? Has it been good for their lives? Well, of the twelve people that I um, focus on in the book uh, at this hour, eleven are uh, say that if the election were to be held tomorrow, they would vote for him enthusiastically. Uh, only one has slipped into the uh, undecided category. Mm-hmm. So I think one key uh, barometer going forward is is what is there a ceiling on Trump's uh, base or, or not? And um, uh, but as I said, he mostly can do no wrong for them. Mm-hmm. And and has. Has the Trump presidency delivered on the promise of, of jobs coming back, of fighting for workers? He talked about the, the need to change trade deals to, to, to benefit them and to, to, raise, to raise wages. He's, he's trumpeting the economic gains in the Dow all the time. But is that is that relevant for most of these people? I don't know how many of them have or uh, uh, heavy into the stock market. I don't think that many. Yeah. But, um, you know, they they. They trumpet, uh, as it were, some of his uh, policies. I mean, you know, the economy uh, is going gangbusters. He inherited a good economy, mm-hmm. but they don't want to get into that debate of how much credit Obama deserves. Um, and, uh, you know, they like the tax cut. 
even though I'm not sure how much of it actually um, shows up in their in their paychecks. Um, and uh, they like that he's um, cut back on uh, red tape and regulations. Uh, I think the the trade is a bit of a double edged sword. Uh, they liked him. They like the America First doctrine. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but I'm not sure they like the prospect of trade wars. I want to ask about Pennsylvania more broadly because it is actually ground zero for the Democratic hopes of taking back uh, taking back Congress. Um, there are a number of districts in Pennsylvania where uh, Democrats feel like they can win. I, I think mostly in the Philadelphia area, uh, Pittsburgh area as well, had a, a pretty famous special election a couple months ago that, yeah. that delivered for the Democrats. Uh, and the congressman that you talked to at some length in this book, Lou, Lou Barletta, is now the, the Republican nominee for Senate. It looks like he's going to get blown out by Bob Casey. He's he's really not in the mix. The president um, encouraged him to run, uh, really wanted him in that race and was was encouraging and feeling like if he if Barletta wins, he definitely wins. It doesn't look like that's happening. Do you think is that a sign of a of a broader backlash? Is that the resistance in action or is there is there something else going on based on your reporting that that might explain why Pennsylvania's politics might be flipping back toward blue? Well, um, I, I noticed that Lou is uh, down in the polls. Trump's going back there next week to Erie. Right. Um, and uh, he, uh, you know, he, he's the congressman for Luzerne County, the, the county I uh, focused on. And he's not as well known in the western part of the state. So I think they want to, they're hoping that Trump will showcase him more out there. Um, you know, the. the when you talk to to the, uh, my people who are still with with Barletta, uh, they say you know the, the easy comeback is well the polls were wrong right. Trump too you know but um, I don't know that it's a sign of um, that uh, Trump is peaked or that there's erosion. Uh, I think it may be more uh, focused on Barletta's pros and cons. When you look toward 2020 with President Trump. We presume running for re-election. Um, most of the, it's hard to imagine a primary challenger being successful given the the personality that he is that that he is exhibited and the the way he's taken over the Republican Party. There's no distance between him right. and the Republican Party these days. What are the broader lessons that you see for politicians in terms of how he was able to be successful? What he was able to do to to bring out a coalition that really hadn't been visible even in, in previous election cycles. Well, I mean, it's still stunning that he won, uh, isn't it? it yes. <laughs> Two years later. It, uh, um, you know, Trump Trump behaves as president of his base rather than president of the country. He's a divider. Yeah. Uh, he's not a unifier. And I just wonder if there's not... Um, political hay to be made for Democrats in putting up a candidate who would essentially run on a unification platform. Um, you know, that would take a, uh, it wouldn't be Elizabeth Warren uh, or Bernie Sanders. Uh, it might be Biden, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, But we're so polarized. And... Um, you know, Trump in his in his uh, uh, acceptance speech uh, on election night said that he was going to try to unite the country, but he never has. And he goes out to these um, uh, political rallies um, in his favorite states and continues to behave as a as the president of the base. So I, I 
to me, the the uh, the stark polarization of the country, um, it was divided before Trump, yes, but he's, I think, uh, increased the divide. And I just wonder whether there's not, um, it, it's a, it would become a leadership issue. Mm-hmm. Can you, who can really lead lead the country into uh, healing its wounds? And is the view among the, at least the folks that you talked to for this book that it's okay that he's only talking to his base, that the, the other folks aren't listening anyway, that they're out to get him, yeah. or do they yeah, do they, they find any fault in the fact that he does not unite as a president? Most of them don't. They don't. They don't blame him. They say that the other side is is uh, uh, just as responsible for the divisions as uh, as Trump is, and they hate him, and there's nothing he can do anyway. Um, but I, to me, it, it, it looks like a looks like a leadership issue or that, that there might be potential for a Democrat who t- started to talk that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I, I think the, the question you raise, I get asked it all the time, what happens next? Right. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, we're, ne- we're not going to know for some time whether Trump was a one-off, if it's just a pure cult yeah. of his personality, yeah. or if there's a way to, to move that ahead. Well, we'll know more after the midterms. Sure, uh, that'll that'll be uh, you know the midterms are a referendum on Trump's presidency, and and he unlike most politicians welcomes that he says bring it on yeah. he wants that he is still uh, interested in your take as we close up today he's still confident in that base he still thinks of them he sees that map of of red uh, every time he speaks yeah uh, the, with the, the county map not the state map well behaving as president of the base uh, rather than wanting to expand your base wouldn't appear to be um, a winning re-election strategy if his base tops out at, uh, what, 35, 36? Maybe 40. Maybe yeah. 40%. Um, but in a, in a, at a time when our uh, two of the last three presidents have uh, not won the popular vote, uh, you don't need to get to 50% anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and maybe there's room for a, a credible third-party candidate uh, that might take even more of a slice of the vote, but if you look at the uh, to the 2016 results, the, the the Libertarians and the Green Party had more more than enough total vote to make the difference. Mm-hmm. So um, I think Trump thinks he can maybe win with 40, 45. It will be fascinating, and I I, I look forward to you following up with some of these folks to see what the sequel says. Okay. We all we all want to know what happens next. Ben Bradley Jr., the book is The Forgotten, How the People of One Pennsylvania County Elected Donald Trump and Changed America. Congratulations on the book, Ben. Great to see you. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. That does it for this edition of Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Fine. We'll catch you next time.